Welcome to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. We're back, folks. It's been a while since we've done a show here at uh, Voice of Truth Radio Show. This is Mike Azinger, your host, and uh, Pastor Brian Leversey. Because it's Thanksgiving week, he is on vacation. What day is this, gentlemen? Tuesday. We usually uh, we usually record on Wednesday, I think. Is that right, Tim? Yeah. Uh, yes, we do. And uh, then play the show. Show plays on Thursday and Saturday. We're trying to get on live on a regular basis. Just schedules have been so uh, messy with uh, Pastor and I. But uh, so anyway, we're going to do a uh, Thanksgiving week show. Brought the A team in: Mark Dowler and Tim Dowler, father and son team. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk Thanksgiving because mm-hmm. hey, Thanksgiving is day after tomorrow. And um, this show will actually air on Thanksgiving evening. So you know what? When you're trying to d- sit down and relax, you can listen to us, and yeah, you'll be, you, you'll be listening to this show right now. Yeah, you can uh, fall asleep to to uh, absolutely, our or, or yeah. wake you up out of a sleep. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit, uh, well, a lot about Thanksgiving. We're gonna do the first half hour. On Thanksgiving, because Americans know nothing about our Christian heritage, and I say that uh, I say nothing. Nothing's <laughs> a bit of an exaggeration, but not by much. Uh, so, what happened on Thanksgiving? Did we um, did we terrorize the Indians and all that, or was it, uh, or did uh, God in His providence preserve the the Pilgrims and um, uh, give us the great nation that we have today? I uh, I think we'll get into that here in a minute. I'm going to read uh, the Mayflower Compact's birthday was yesterday, November 21. Today's 22nd. This is Tuesday. I keep thinking it's Wednesday, but we're recording on Tuesday. And uh, so I'm, I was uh, doing some show prep. It's all where wall builders, David Barton's group, um, he has uh, an article. November twenty-first marks the anniversary of the uh, <coughs> excuse me the signing of the Mayflower Compact. I wonder what percentage of Americans even know or have heard of the Mayflower Compact. Well, I doubt very very uh, few have actually heard about it, except you know folks that had uh, you know uh, true American history. You know, maybe yeah, or read forty or years ago or so. Like but, you know, it's interesting that the, the Mayflower Compact was the first uh, uh, actual agreement of a, uh, of a, of a group mm. to form a civil government. They called it the body politic, and uh, they, they mutually agreed to certain uh, rules uh, to, uh, to organize and to, uh, 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 to uh, uh, their government uh, system there in, in Plymouth. Why are you stealing my thunder? Oh, Dallas? sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> he knows he has so much information in that head of his that it just comes out. But you're right, exactly right. So let's uh, let me just <clears throat> talk about that here for a second. Uh, this is David Barton Wall Builders. I think it's a Barton article. Uh, it's definitely Wall Builders. Not sure who wrote it. I assume David Barton, the main dude at Wall Builders. November 21st marks the anniversary of the signing of the Mayflower Compact. To understand the significance of this date. You need to know the history of the pilgrims who wrote and signed the uh, the Mayflower Compact. Now, this isn't a long article, folks, so hang with me. Uh, the pilgrims were mainly English dissenters 
who attended churches that did not belong to the Church of England. One objection they held was to any monarch being head of the church. They didn't like the government leading the church. How about that? This viewpoint was contradictory to an English law stating that if, quote, any of Her Majesty's, that would be Queen Elizabeth I, any of Her Majesty's subjects deny the Queen's ecclesiastical supremacy, they shall be committed to prison without bail. Years, well, that's sounding more and more like America. Years of enduring government persecution led the pilgrims to shake off this yoke of anti-Christian bondage and move to Holland where they found religious toleration. So remember, they didn't come directly to America. Mm -hmm. They went to Holland first and stayed there. After 12 years in Holland, they decided to move to America where they could freely worship God, raise godly children. That was one of the concerns about Holland is that it wasn't a good place to raise kids. Uh, it'd be like Hollywood, maybe, or Hollywood light. Don't don't raise your kids in Hollywood. Stay away from there. Raise godly children and share the Christian gospel with others. They arranged for two ships. Now, this is interesting. They arranged for two ships to carry them to America, the Speedwell and the Mayflower. Yeah. But the Speedwell developed leaks in two separate departure attempts and was sidelined. It's like the, te- the Trump administration leaks everywhere. Uh, the Mayflower alone set sail for America in September 1620 with 102 pilgrims and strangers, um, which is the first Peter 2.11 reference, from which the pilgrims took their name. It took 66 days. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Yeah. I was just on a plane to New Orleans um, and I thought that was a long day. Yeah. <laughs> 66 days in a boat uh, for the pilgrims on the Mayflower to reach America. Their trip across the Atlantic was treacherous with constant storms. In fact, at one point, the main beam of the ship broke. Now, M.R. Dollar, um, I want to know if you've heard this before. Not having the tools necessary. So the main beam of the ship breaks. They're out at sea. Hold on. Don't answer yet. I can tell you know, don't you? Uh, Not having the tools necessary to make the repairs, the ship's crew used what they used, you know? A printing press. Uh, The jack screw screw to the pilgrim's printing press. That's right. So a jack screw is basically a jack that you wind up. I looked it up on on, uh, Wikipedia. Well, you were back there when Gutenberg was around, right? Yes. So they, uh, they... they jacked the beam up, the broken beam up. Yeah. They happened to have a jack screw. Obviously, that was the providence of God. Uh, so they raised the beam into place where it could be secured, thus saving the ship and the lives of those on board. How about that? The pilgrims were sailing for the northern. This is fascinating also. Here's providence of God. <clears throat> the pilgrims were sailing for the northern parts of the, of the uh, Virginia colony. They were heading to Virginia where there's already a settlement. But fierce winds blew them hundreds of miles north. They finally put ashore at Cape Cod. Massachusetts. Massachusetts, but in an area not under the authority of the Virginia colony. They had no official governance. So that's why they needed a, this Mayflower Compact, yes. because they went into an area of the of the uh, uh, America, this new land, that 
that had no government. Right. Virginia did where they were heading, but where they're going now, there's no government. So what do they have to do? They have to put together their own official governance. So, uh, so before leaving the Mayflower, they did this on the ship. So before leaving the Mayflower, the Pilgrims drew up their own governmental compact, which declared, this is part of it, this is from the Mayflower Compact, having undertaken for the glory of God. So why did they go? Why did the pilgrims go? For the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. That's why they went. They say so at the very beginning of the Mayflower Compact. And the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. That's where they were heading. They didn't go there. Do by these presents, those that are here, uh, that is, by this legal document document and charter, solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one of another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic. This document, signed on November 21, 1620, became known as the Mayflower Compact. It became the first purely American document of self-government that to borrow Lincoln's words, was, quote, of the people, by the people, and for the people. Um, Then it says America's other governing documents had been written in England by English officials in order to govern the Americans. Additionally, the Pilgrim's document placed American self-government firmly on a Christian foundation. Absolutely. Right. Why? Because they say... for the glory of God is why they came. And then they say solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another. The Mayflower Compact is definitely worth being honored. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Our first our first <clears throat> governing document mentions God and it says, hey, this is why we came to America all the way from Holland, uh, but um, um, uh, initially England, but... We came, they said. The pilgrims say why they came. We came uh, to uh, glorify God and advance the Christian faith. They're going to give the gospel in this new territory. And they did. Uh, But, you know, it's interesting that uh, that document was, uh, you know, uh, over 100 years before our founders uh, drafted and signed uh, our Declaration of Independence and... uh, the very fact that, uh, you know, here over, you know, 100 years before that they formed their first legally recognized form of government, you know, and there was, you know, a little over 100 people there, but still it was a government of, organized government of people who, you know, wanted to come here for a particular reason. They wanted to come, and, they, and look, they were, they they had to have been very serious about their Christianity because they were fleeing uh, Christian persecution where they came yeah. from, right? Well, you know, we we refer to those folks as the pilgrims, and indeed they were because they were pilgrims in a you know really in a strange land to them. But uh, in England uh, and and even in Holland, they they referred to themselves or others referred to them as separatists. Mm-hmm. You know, they they tried everything they could to uh, abide and and to stay within the recognized Anglican Church. And they just could not do it, and uh, because of all the, uh, well, some of the corruption, and really some of the the teachings and the uh, authority of the of the uh, monarchy in in the church, and so they, 
they they took it as long as they could and then they came well they first went to holland and stayed there for about a dozen years and uh and then when you know they were thinking of their children and the influence in there yes. and they decided to set out on a you know in a new adventure they would not have been happy with uh disneyland Right uh, no. now with it, or uh, World. I doubt it. They, they would have. They might have liked some of the rides, but they would have had to wait for them quite a long they time. They wouldn't. They they wouldn't be uh, into the the Disney. You know, as a pastor, Disney. I think about that story about not all those uh, people went on the journey. Over just a little over a hundred of the actual pilgrim separatists, but you know there were others on the journey as well. But as a as a pastor of a congregation, you know how he didn't go. You know, they appointed someone to be kind of the leader, and uh, but the, the the actual pastor of that church in uh, in uh, Holland, you know, as they stood there at the dock and said their goodbyes, you know, how how heartbreaking that must have been mm-hmm. for him to see, you know, watch them set sail, uh, knowing that he probably and, and more than likely, I don't think he ever did ever see him again this side of heaven. No, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think he was ever no went to the states at all. It's uh, very difficult back then so here we are and uh, we're celebrating thanksgiving and thanksgiving was uh you know uh, a, a cliche uh, that you hear often today is oh i'm so thankful you know just i'm thankful that for this thankful for that people are thankful but they never say to whom they're thankful yeah. i mean who are you thankful to the air uh there has to be an object of your uh of your appreciation and um, uh, we, the, the pilgrims were thankful to God. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Well, many of them, many of them died the first year, and and uh, you know only by the grace of God and the provident, providential hand of God that He sent uh, people, ma- namely Native Americans, into to help them and to, and uh, they were uh, they were indeed thankful to <laughs> to be alive. But, you know, we've secularized Thanksgiving so much, you know, anymore. It's, uh, for many people, it's still Thanksgiving. or refer to it at that. But some, you know, I hear um, on the, in the media, it's Turkey Day. It's, it, you know, it's that Thursday where you, you know, you have a big meal and then you watch the, watch the, uh, the uh, football games and then you take a nap, you know. So it's, we've completely secularized it and it's gotten so far away from what it was really in, intentionally uh, intended. So I pulled up an article by Stephen McDowell. Uh, we've had uh, he's a friend of ours, and we've had him uh, on the show once, and we need to have him on again. But anyway, he's a Christian historian, and I've read a lot of stuff. I, I yeah. think you have too. We we, we actually had uh, we had dinner with him in, in D.C. here a few years ago. You did. Oh, what? you see. Uh, did you well, not go on that no, trip? No, I did, but I thought you had seen him since that trip that we both went well, on. Well, we, there was two trips, and I think you were on the first I one, and, on, I, yeah, and, and I was on, and I went on the second. Kathy yeah. and I went on the second one. So, yeah, uh, he's he's quite a fellow. I actually got to have a little bit of a conversation. Well, with I, him. I remember you saying that, and yeah, uh, he's, a, he's quite a enlightening fellow, and he's he's very humble and laid oh, back, absolutely. You know, so, so here's an article he wrote. Um, oh, it's about ten years old, but it's the same history. Uh, innumerable blessings have been bestowed upon the United States of America. Concerning these blessings, President Lincoln wrote, No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God. Lincoln could write, couldn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, President Lincoln went on to set apart the last Thursday of November as, quote, a day of thanksgiving and praise to uh, the air or to the vacuum or to space. No. He said, uh, thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father, capital F, God Almighty, who dwelleth in the heavens. I think I think Lincoln was a believer. I, I, yeah, uh, I believe he was. Well, you know, he used the Bible a lot in many of his speeches. Well, yeah, he did. And he he speaks of a, an experience he had at Gettysburg. I believe that's where you got to yeah. say. So anyway, while President Lincoln established America's official Thanksgiving holiday in 1863, that's the year that West Virginia <clears> became <throat> a state, it was the pilgrims who first celebrated a day of Thanksgiving in this land in 1621, and uh, last year would have been the 400-year um, anniversary, and who set an example that many followed in the succeeding years. As the pilgrims gathered their harvest in the autumn of 1621 and looked back over the preceding year, they had so much for which to be thankful that they decided to set aside a day of thanksgiving unto God whom they acknowledged as the giver of all blessings and the only reason for their survival. It was indeed a miracle that they did survive their first year in the wilderness of New England and had a good harvest, desire for home, uh, desire for a home where they could freely worship God and the desire to, quote, propagate the gospel of the kingdom of Christ, of Christ end quote, and be stepping stones for others to do the same motivated a band of Christians later called pilgrims to set out on a hazardous voyage to plant a colony in the new world of America. So, after 66 perilous days at sea, which we mentioned, where the storms were so great that they were blown unknowingly, they didn't, they didn't know they were, they didn't have a, a compass on their phone Mm-mm. or whatever you would use in that situation, um, so, uh, after 66 perilous days at sea, where the storms were so great that they were blown unknowingly hundreds of miles north of their intended destination, they reached Cape Cod. The captain attempted to sail south to Virginia, but the weather forced them to settle in New England. Probably a good thing, because they probably had never tried the chowder in uh, New England. Uh, probably but, not. But since they... But now they got to. Yeah. Um, where was I? Forced them. To, uh, they later learned that the site that they chose for a settlement, Plymouth, had been the home of the Patuxent Indians. Had they arrived a few years earlier, they would have been. There would have been no place for them to settle. But a plague had mysteriously wiped out the Patuxent tribe in 1617. And no other tribe would settle in the area for fear of the same thing occurring to them. Now, if you don't believe in God, I'm going to go back over that paragraph. Absolutely. Because the wind blew them, Tim, north of (laughs) Virginia, not to the settlement where they were going, up into Cape Cod, what we call Cape Cod now. There was a tribe of Indians there called the Patuxent tribe. And in uh, 1617... They had a mysterious plague that wiped them out. They and they would have uh, 
they would have landed where this tribe was. I assume they were a hostile uh, tribe. But um, there wouldn't have been any place for them to settle there where the wind blew them. But the wind blew them to where there was a place to settle and nobody there. Right. How about that? How about that? How about that for a god? Winter had already set in as they started to build houses to protect themselves from the unrelenting cold. It'd be like Buffalo last week. <laughs> Six feet of <laughs> snow. Oh, scurvy and other diseases began to infect the settlers due to the long voyage, lack of provisions, and unaccommodating conditions. People began to die so rapidly that in two or three months' time, only half of the original 102 persons remained. Wow. How about that? Half of them died in the first two or three months. How would that be for discouragement? You would be thinking... God, what do you uh, would you would you like like the Israelites? What would you bring us out here to kill us all? <laughs> what are you doing, God? But they had great faith. While this was quite a tragedy, they still fared much better than the early settlers at Jamestown, who saw, saw nine out of ten persons die in the first year of colonization. Yeah, you know it's interesting how how God puts things together providentially. That uh, you know it's been uh, been called uh, God's invisible hand working behind the scenes. You know one of the interesting little aspects about this this whole story of the the pilgrims coming to America is something that actually happened before they they ever boarded the, the Mayflower. Uh, when they were in Holland, uh, the the pastor of that group, the separatist group. That we know today as the Pilgrims uh, uh, enrolled in college, and he, one of his teachers was William Brewster, hmm. who was one of you know, and and the pastor of that group was was John Robinson, and so they met there in the college and and became you know close and uh, to the point where you know they all became one in, in the church, and when when they organized the trip 6 years later when they organized the trip to America it was it William Brewster who was selected to be the leader and so those some of those providential uh meetings that uh, divine intersections that you know God brings people into our lives and we never know really how the purpose or or how it's going to turn out in this case you know the two people who met in college uh had a uh, div- had a really a God ordained a purpose uh, to uh, you know for uh, for our country that still lingers today. Wow, that's great. Oh, so I'm reading from Stephen McDowell article during this dark winter in America. We'll continue here. The Christian character of the Pilgrims shone brightly at the time of greatest distress. There were only six or seven people strong enough to move about with the sick. They spared no pain. Quote spared no pains night or day. But with abundance of toil and hazard of their health, fetched them wood, made them fires, dressed them meat, made their beds, washed their loathsome clothes, clothes, clothed and unclothed them. In a word, did all the homely and necessary uh, offices for them, which dainty and queasy stomachs cannot endure to hear named. And all this willingly and cheerfully without any grudging in the least, showing herein their true love unto their friends and brethren, a rare example 
and worthy to re, to be remembered. So everyone got sick, and guess what? Everyone else did. The few that were healthy took care of the sick Absolutely. and didn't gripe about it. Didn't worry about their own health. They just did what needed taken care of. Right. Right. That would be um, that would be the opposite of of much of the philosophy in America today. Though half of their number survived, the prospects of the coming year looked very bleak. They were surrounded by Indians, some hostile. They were short of food and supplies, and they knew little of how to survive in the American wilderness. But to their astonishment and gratitude to God, an English-speaking Indian named Squanto. Squanto. Dell, you continue to impress me. Uh, named well, Squanto. you well, I mean, uh, generally I'm not. That's why I'm so uh, shocked. <laughs> uh, Tim, your dad, he's, uh, mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, we'll talk about him later, I think. He got that one right, though. Uh, an English-speaking Indian named Squanto came among them, Look, uh, took them under his care, and taught them how to survive in the new land. He showed them how to plant corn, assuring its growth by uh, setting it with fish, he taught them how to catch fish in the times when they could find the creeks stocked with fish, for the pilgrims had only caught one cod in the preceding four months. Wow. So they weren't natural outdoorsmen, uh, right? No, they they no. wouldn't have a fishing show on um, the Outdoor Channel. They caught one cod in the preceding four months. So in England or... or uh, Holland, you uh, you would catch your fish by going into a local restaurant, right? And, uh, and order it on a menu, yeah. fish and chips, in a drive-through. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. So, uh, he taught them to stock deer. Squanto did plant pumpkins, find berries, and catch beaver, whose pelts proved to be their economic deliverance. Squanto, let's do one more paragraph. This is really uh, fascinating. We're about done with this um, with this segment, but uh, Squanto was also helpful. In securing a peace treaty between the pilgrims and surrounding Indian tribes, which lasted, listen to this. Do you know how long? No. 50 years. Wow. So they, uh, Squanto uh, negotiated this peace deal with the pilgrims and, and these Indians that, who surrounded them. And it lasted 50 years because they were Christians. They treated the Indians yes. as, as they would want to be treated. Right. They were Christians toward them. Uh, that's what you don't hear. You don't hear that taught in history, how these pilgrims, uh, they were good to the Indians. They were there to bring mm-hmm. them to Jesus Christ. Right. They weren't going to mistreat them. Um, so after 50 years, some bad things happened. But anyway, for 50 years, um, in the words of William Bradford, Squanto, quote, Squanto was a special instrument sent of God for their good Beyond their expectations, his life story is amazing yeah. in itself. So it goes on. This is a really good article that it's it's worth reading. It's called "Why We Celebrate Thanksgiving," and it's by Stephen McDowell, M C D O W E L L. Yes. Any other comments, uh, Dowlers? No, I think you covered okay, it. Okay, so that was uh, that's really good stuff. I'm going to save that. Or I've read this, but it's been a while. And um, when you get old Mike, like me, you have to read over and over to uh, not forget. Why We Celebrate Thanksgiving by Stephen McDowell. Read it, please. It is worth your time. All right, folks. 
We are done with, um, I mean, we're halfway through the show. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show with uh, your host, um, uh, State Senator Mike Azinger, newly elected, by the way. You, nobody brought that up, but that's okay. Newly reelected, right? Oh, uh, yes, newly uh, reelected. You're right. <laughs> state, and uh, he's a state senator. Yeah, okay, Tim. That's funny, and I know where you got that from, right? The yeah. office, right? Yes. Okay, yes. you're state hilarious. senator. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see, where is um, uh, Pastor Leversey? He is out and about. He's on vacation for this week, so we'll get him out. We'll get him back next week, and uh, we'll be right back with the Voice of Truth radio show. Hi, this is Brian Leversey, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, and we're back in the studio. It's been a few weeks, maybe like three or four since uh, Pastor Leversey and I have been here, but ironically, I think this is an irony, uh, Pastor Leversey is not here today. He's on vacation for Thanksgiving, so then that's when I bring in the A-team, Mark and Tim Daller, the father-son duo uh, father-son radio duo, and we always have a good time. So we're just kind of kicking back. First half hour, if you missed it, you need to go to our podcast, Mike Azinger. Uh, what is it? What is it? Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger, yes. right, Tim? Yes, it is. Okay, so uh, we talked about Thanksgiving. We talked about the Mayflower Compact. How many of you have heard <laughs> of the Mayflower Compact? Every American, every child, um, or at least teenager in America should have to learn about the Mayflower Compact in school. Just period. It's fundamental. It's our, it's our first founding document. I think you could you could say, couldn't you, Mark? Right. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so, listen to that. And uh, there's an article we mentioned by Stephen McDowell. That's uh, We didn't mention We read from it. I did. Um, and that's kind of what we played off the whole time. And then Mark, uh, Mark just interjected uh, timely and wise comments as we went. So now we're going to do just some cultural stuff that's going on that I've been saving these uh, articles to finally get back on uh, on the air here. School board gets conservative majority, immediately fires woke superintendent, bans critical race theory. Okay. Have I died and gone to heaven? This that actually happened. excellent. <laughs> so this is how bad, just to give you an example, uh, Dollars. I was um, last week, so I'm I'm a chairman of banking and insurance, which is not as important of a deal as it sounds like, but I I am. So I go to uh, I went to a conference in um, it's a it's a conference that a group called Encoil, uh, an acronym, but uh, they they we, we uh, they they create uh, new bills, you know whatever need they they have meetings and it's just like a committee you you would see at a state capitol um and then they have 
people come and testify, just like you would see at a state capitol, and then all the legislatures, uh, legislators sit around in a square table that's quite long, so it fills up a half of a uh, half of a room at a Sheraton, uh, and then you know the other folks sit back in chairs and so on. Uh, so a panel came on, and 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 Mark, they were they were look they were woke. Wow! They came and just the first guy talked. I was just sitting there, kind of listening, and all of a sudden he just he just starts speaking in um, Marxist code words. It was critical theory to the nth degree. And this I, was about banking and insurance. And this well, this was about insurance. It wasn't didn't, uh, yeah. uh, the the it's an insurance group, and uh, all of a sudden somebody brought in. So I called him on it. I I. You know, uh, you sound like crypto Marxist. Everybody laughed, like, oh, yeah, sure they are. And then I, then I, you know, went into them pretty good. And afterwards, I had I had other legislators coming up to me saying, "Hey, thanks for saying that. Thanks for saying that. because there's other people besides me in the room that knew what they were doing." Yeah. And um, uh, but here it is creeping into this group called Encol that's been around for. I don't know, 50, 75 years. They just, they're, they're a solid foundational group that creates great law for, uh, for states for insurance, you know. And, and here, here it's creeping in. The next morning, same thing happened. Another group of, of, of just woke, um, uh, critical theory, yeah. garbage. And I, and I went after them again. But anyway, I, um, uh, this so this this critical theory stuff is everywhere. It's in the military. It's in the boardroom. It's in schools. It's in um, the uh, uh, bureaucracies. You name it. Well, it seems like they're trying to sink their tentacles into every aspect of of, of everyday life. Uh, you know, on the national media, you know, I've, I've heard about. Uh, I can't think of the acronym, but it's uh, it, you know, ESV or uh, where they're ESG, and, ESG, and it's mm-hmm. coming into like uh, particularly <clears throat> in the corporate banking world where you have to kind of toe the line as far as their environmental I- issues and things like that in order to uh, really kind of yeah. survive in the corporate ESG, world. ESG, environmental uh, societal governance. So yeah. they want to know where you're investing your money, and if you're not investing it where they want you to. Then there's going to be repercussions. Yeah, and Coke kind of had to, you know, they they had to kind of bow and kiss the ring of, of in this ESG thing, uh, this couple of years ago. And there was another big corporate uh, company that just kind of they're all woke now. Yeah. Man. It's, so anyway, that's why it's so refreshing, uh, refreshing to see this article that um, I just lost it. School board gets conservative majority immediately fires woke superintendent bans critical race theory. So folks are fighting back. This is. Uh, a um, iPatriot, not sure who that is, but it's from a few days ago, and it just says this, a new conservative majority took control of a South Carolina school board, and in their first meeting, <laughs> they fired a woke superintendent, Oh wow! banned the teaching of critical race theory, and launched a committee to eliminate inappropriate books from school libraries. How about yeah. that? They're not playing. No. Homie don't play in South Carolina. They, they're not playing. That's what we need to do. This is the kind, kind of garbage that uh, we need to fight against. Well, when parents get involved in, in those issues, you know, and then, uh, you know, 
things change. So there was um, just in the, the school library here in Wood County, these books. Um, look, there's there's uh, there's basically it's pornography. It's cartoon stuff, but it's pornography. Right. There's three different books right there on the table as you go into the Wood County Library over on Emerson Avenue. This local gal here saw it, and she just has done a phenomenal job uh, making everybody aware of it. It yeah. ended up on the front page of the Parkersburg yeah. News. To, the, to their credit, the Parkersburg News uh, covered it, put it on the front page, um, and um, – um, I'm sure it's she's. Happening. I'm sure she's been applauded by many and, and vilified by oh, yeah. a few. Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, kudos <clears throat> to her. I want to say the uh, Parksburg City Council was supposed to do something, or they were they were supposed to meet on it, and then a bunch of people a bunch of people showed up to the meeting, and then they they decided to cancel it right then and there. Yeah. So I was at that meeting. Okay. They were supposed to. Um, uh, there was an official censoring of, of it or whatever. Um, and then two of the city councilmen, I don't know if they got scared or whatever, but they pulled their names off of it, and it didn't happen. Yeah. But, but um, it's not over um, by any stretch. But here's a county in South Carolina. Um, they're just They just did it. I'm going to read it again. A new conservative majority took control of a South Carolina school board, and in their first meeting, they fired a woke superintendent, banned the teaching of critical race theory, and launched a committee to eliminate inappropriate books from school libraries. Uh, So um, the school board in Berkeley County, not California, <laughs> Berkeley County, uh, Berkeley, California is uh, way out there. But the school board in Berkeley County, South Carolina, gained a new conservative majority thanks to efforts by the parent-backed. There you, go. you mentioned that, Mark Dollar. The parent-backed activist group called Moms for Liberty. I uh, love it. And they jumped into action in the first two hours, yeah. <laughs> the first two hours of their first meeting after taking the majority. So here it is. This is um, this must be from a tweet or something. On Tuesday evening, the Berkeley County School District in South Carolina swore in the board members who were elected last week, six of whom were endorsed by the conservative activist group, activist group Moms for Liberty. Within two hours, the school board had voted to fire the district's uh, first black superintendent, terminate the district's lawyer, ban critical race theory, and set up a committee to decide whether certain books and materials should be banned from schools. So the superintendent was, uh, he was woke. He was essentially um, a Marxist in, in, in his theory anyway. I don't know if he was right. an agreeing Marxist, but that's what he was allowing to be taught and, and pushing and so on. And in addition, the board voted to replace the chair with, uh, anyway, a local attorney. And so of, of these six, four of them were incumbents, of these six who were endorsed by Moms for Liberty. But there was two of them who were new uh, new candidates and who also won. That gave them the majority. So that's what needs to happen. And this is what we've uh, conservatives and Christians have neglected across the country. I definitely know, you know, here in um, uh, Wood County and 
Washington County, I'm sure the same across the river and all across uh, all across these states. We've just neglected our our school boards. You know, it's interesting how you know these issues, these local issues, really make an impact. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here on this on this particular one, but I think it was Tip O'Neill years ago, the Speaker of the House, who you know either coined a phrase or certainly used the phrase that all politics is local. And and these local issues are uh, when parents get involved, particularly in these school board is, uh, issues, things uh, things change. And we need to take back. We need to take back all these school boards yeah. and get conservatives, and not just conservatives. We need conservative Christians yeah. Yeah. on these school boards because uh, the Christian folks are the ones that will really stand up for these hardcore stuff, like uh, you know, like pornography in these books. People get scared of this, yeah. and it's a it's a it's a ninety five percent issue. Yeah, it's a it's a you know. It's a, a boogeyman, you know. It's a big uh, straw man that that uh, the leftists put up there, and, and it scares everybody. And everyone's afraid to say something. But ninety five percent of the people disagree with a child or a teenager being allowed to decide that they want to change over to a different sex. Yeah, ninety ninety five percent of the American people disagree with right. a child allowing a child to yeah. do that. Yeah. It's it's an outrage, but um, anyway, the little the little county in South Carolina, a little or big, I'm not sure the size of it, but um, and and that happened, you know, that happened in other places too, Florida, uh, in in uh, the primary election because a lot of these were primary, uh, a lot of school boards were primary elections, and that's it, like ours in Wood County, but uh, so. Florida overturned three big counties. Went conservative. In Florida. Right for yeah. Florida. It was a, you know, you remember years way. ago when what was it the the Gore uh, uh, Bush uh, election and with all those. I mean, Fl- Florida was the, the laughing stock of the country with all that. Not election. anymore. Yeah, I know. Florida got their act together. That and, was you know, hang, the hanging chads of. What was that? Two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was. It, yeah, I, w- I wish they would. You know, Arizona and and mm-hmm. what is the Pennsylvania and maybe Georgia is like, oh man. Oh yeah, they're, it's crooked. So all these, you know, Florida counted their votes. How many millions of people there? Eleven, twelve. I don't know. Uh, they counted their votes in hours. And and yeah. these other states. When you start counting your votes day upon day upon day, you know that somebody's somebody's cooking uh, yeah. cooking the books there. Well, and you know, it used to happened. be didn't it used to be election? It used to be election day, but now in some places it's more election week. Yeah, uh, so month the, sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's right. Pennsylvania, they start uh. they start uh, voting thirty days before election day. You're just asking for it. Yeah. You're setting it up so you can you can. Basically, uh, uh, create corruption in the election system, and that's what they did up there. But anyway, uh, Florida, uh, DeSantis man, he, mm-hmm. he knows how to do it down there. All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. We got one segment left, and we'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
Hi, this is Brian Leversee, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Asinger, and my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey, is on vacation. We're, you know, we're in uh, Thanksgiving week, 2022. This is Tuesday. We're, uh, we're recording, and we brought in the A-team, uh, Mark Dowler and his son, Tim. Tim's here all the time. Because, yes, because I never leave. Because <laughs> you work here yes, at the Baptist Church, where we record. You're the... Uh, you're the brains behind all mm-hmm. of the I'm the program manager technology. here. Yeah, yeah, you do our show, <clears throat> and uh, we appreciate it very much. All right, we're going to do one more segment. We're going to talk about an article real, real quick here, and then we're going to do. Um, uh, we used to do a regular manners segment, and uh, so Mark Dowler wants to bring that back. So we're going to do that. Hey, it's Thanksgiving. We need to act. Uh, know how to act around the table. Absolutely. All right, so no throwing stuff at your relatives if they disagree with you. I think just don't bring it up. Leave off contention, the Bible says, <laughs> before it be meddled with. You know, you bring up something contentious and the fists start flying. Right. So talk about uh, the weather or, hey, talk about the Bible. How about that? Most people uh, don't talk about the Bible. And we need to talk about the Bible. This is an article report. 20 Major League Baseball teams promote or fund groups that perform child sex change operations. So this shows you how much this whole woke culture, this ungodly LGBT stuff, is infiltrating every segment of society. Uh, And uh, so here's some baseball teams. Uh, My wife and I, man, we used to go watch the Pirates. Once or twice every year, we watch every game, and we have it in several years. Ever since they ha- hung that BLM flag on the center field wall, okay, bye-bye. Uh, we don't go anymore, and we miss – I do. My wife's like, I don't care, but uh, I miss them. Uh, and and now analysis, um, an analysis by National Review shows an unseemly trend among 20 Major League Baseball teams supporting organizations – that perform sex change operations on children. So I'm going to go quick here. I think I've talked about this article once before, but uh, uh, I just want to bring it up again just because we talked about this woke stuff last segment. National Review found that almost every team in the league, the Major League Baseball, uh, promote or fund groups that encourage or provide sex change procedures and gender transition hormone treatment for minors as young as 12. Other organizations promote social transitions, that is, non-medical changes in gender expression, including the adoption of new new names, pronouns, clothing um, for children as young as three. Uh, so I want to f- let me see if I can find the list of the teams. Uh, Detroit Tigers. The I know the Pittsburgh Pirates were on here, and uh, Boston Red Sox. 
They have Pride Night. Almost all of these groups have Pride Night. The report found that five teams promoted groups that push dangerous surgeries on trans kids, including the the, uh, Detroit Tigers, Boston Red Sox, Milwaukee Brewers, Tampa Bay Rays, Cleveland Guardians. Oh, please. Um, Let's see. Four teams partnered with organizations that provide counseling and referrals to youths for uh, medical procedures, Dodgers, Pirates, Padres, Oakland A's, and so on. So that's about all. There's other teams, Washington Nationals, Minnesota Twins. But it's 20 out of, what, 28 teams in the MLB, I think. Uh, so anyway. So, wow. they, so they none of the good ones. <laughs> Watch it there, buddy. Yeah. Watch it there. Yeah. I, I always root every year for the Pittsburgh Pirates not to be the last place team in their division. Do mm-hmm. they still have a team there? They do have a team. Yeah. They shouldn't. What The problem is they, they make – all kinds of money, whether they lose or not. That's the problem. There's no incentive to win, no. so these owners just sit back and. Uh, well, there's less work if you win because you know you don't have to go. To, you don't have to go to playoffs. You don't yeah. have to go to turn. You know. Yeah. Well, there's extra money if you do the further you go, but yeah, you know these guys make tons of money off of uh, slubs like me. But I'm no longer a slub. I don't go anymore. Uh, all right, Mark Dowler, bring in uh, bring in the Manor article. <coughs> okay. Uh, <coughs> And well, I'm going to check with your Teach wife. Teach us some manners. Sure that you Absolutely. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of things you can find online about manners. This is just one, and this is uh, just some some uh, really uh, uh, old manners that really need to be brought back. Mainly because we live in such a rude society anymore. And this is, it comes from the Emily Post Institute. I'm not going to read all of them, but there's just a few of them. Uh, number one. RSVP and to let your host know right away if you can come or not when you're invited to a Thanksgiving dinner. Good advice. It is good Absolutely. advice. Absolutely. I mean, right. you know, you don't. I'm terrible at that. Here's another one. Dress appropriately, you know, especially if you're a guest at someone's home for Thanksgiving. You don't want to come in looking like a schlub, and uh, so dress appropriately. Yeah. Uh, arrive on time. Problem is, you know, there's no standard for appropriate dress anymore. Yeah, I know you. It's watch, subjective. Yeah, uh, I know you watch a lot of the old shows where they, you know, they. Everyone wore a tie. You know, yeah, men, men wore ties to baseball games. <laughs> yeah, that's then. true. Yeah. To fishing, uh, well, we go I, fishing. Put on a tie. Yeah, well, we're, we're <laughs> this is not an English show here. You know, where they do dress, you know, quite uh, elaborately. Uh, uh, obviously, arrive on time. Uh, wait for here's one. Wait for the eldest adult to take their seat at the table wow, first. Wow, how about that? How about that? I mean, that's just, that's, that's, that'd that's be a nice gone. gesture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is gone. Uh, sit up straight, you know. And yes. Absolutely. Uh, wait, do not wait, uh, uh, or do not begin until uh, everyone is at the table and, it's, and, it's, and yeah, just wait. You know, you don't. Yeah. Do you know what fixes all that is if you have a, if you pray, yeah. Everyone knows to pray. Wait yeah. till you pray. Yeah. Right? Now, didn't, that didn't say that, but, but right. yeah, obviously, you, at, at any meal, you wait till everyone's there. Yeah. But Thanksgiving meal, you know, you pray and then yeah. you eat. I know as as a as a uh, as a pastor and as a you know they refer to you as a preacher you know when you're at a family event whether it's uh, uh, an, uh, an elaborate meal or even you know like yeah. a family reunion they know you know oh here comes Mark the the preacher so obviously you're you're the one you who get gets to pray. Uh, yeah you get to pray so uh, here's one and and I guess I knew this but I'd forgotten uh, pass pass food to the right mm. so 
pass to the right. I don't know if that's a really you know one of those major ones, but no, uh, that's good. Here's a big one for today: avoid discussing controversial or painful family subjects. You yeah. don't want to get into a political argument yeah, or even a religious argument. Unless everyone agrees on everything, well, then you true. have fun. But how how common is that? Yeah. And here's 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 the last one, probably more appropriate one, is always say thank you. Uh, mm. Which goes along with uh, another one for our modern day is either mute or put your cell phone down, put it in your pocket, oh, and don't, man. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Cell phones. Anyway. Well, those are all good. Yeah, absolutely. What's that from? What's the source on that? Uh, this is uh, this is from a uh, site called Grateful, and it's uh, the article is called Mind Your Manners, and there was actually 20 tips for Thanksgiving etiquette, and it is uh, some of these things come from the Emily Post Institute. Emily Post, yeah. she was the the queen. Yeah, we need Emily Post again. Yeah, isn't it, it's so rude out there anymore. It's rude. You live in a relativistic society. Even yeah, yeah. saying something like "mind your manners" yeah. is is uh, a thought to be judgmental. Yeah, people how, get a, how dare you say "mind your manners"? People get offended by everything now. They do. Well, I was. Yeah. I, uh, I have a Facebook page. I don't know if you guys do, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spend too much time on it. However, I always put stuff on their mind that are either uh, that's either funny or that matters. You like so, poking the trolls? Yeah, the, uh, I'm I'm in the middle of something right now. Uh, but polo, which growing up, my mother loved polo and bought us kids polo. I think polo has the best looking clothes. Like Tommy Hilfiger, yeah. that stuff to me is I think matters. It matters how you, how you dress. You, gen, you that, guys uh, look look. Uh, that's a what Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren. Lauren. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Lauren. <laughs> Tim, can Loren. you get, get with it, buddy? <laughs> so they have <clears throat> they have a whole new line out, and it's fashioned after like the nineteen twenties and thirties, and these guys, these models in this polo line. All look just debonair and dignified, and they look smashing. Yeah. They even have hats. So I posted it. I said, "This, this." I somebody else. I saw somebody else post it. I thought, "Man, this is this is awesome," because it brings back all that sophistication and yeah. dignity, and and uh, you know, uh, th- there's class and a standard there. Uh, it, it men dressed like men, not like slobs. You go to a restaurant nowadays, and the guy next to you is in flip flops and uh, shorts and yeah. te- dressed. Men dress like teenagers nowadays. Yeah. Well, isn't isn't it classy and, and certainly refreshing to see, particularly a man who uh, is like a tuxedo. I mean, I think that yes. is so classy. Just you know, just to see someone who's well groomed and well well dressed. Yeah. So the sixties destroyed about everything, and one of the th- one of the things that the whole sixties uh, revolution destroyed was was any kind of dignity, and and uh, you know, brought in blue jeans. We have. Uh, uh, Tim doesn't, but you and I, Mark, have blue jeans on. We you know we look we look presentable, look nice. You got a nice little sweater vest. On that looks good. Well, this is a classy show. Yes, of course we have standards here, but uh, anyway, so maybe that's coming back. I, I think I think maybe people have a, a hunger. It used to be when you and I were kids, Mark. You went to a restaurant. You you would dress up yeah. at least to some extent. Yeah. And that now, yeah. I, you know, I talked to a, dr- a guy that owned uh, a dry cleaners the other day, and he said 
man, the, the business is dying. Yeah. And it's because nobody nobody dresses in clothes that need dry clean. Right. Yeah. Because you can throw everything in the washer right. because everything's casual and and uh, and so on. But I think maybe there's maybe that's coming back. I, I like a tie. You yeah. know, I think it. I think it. A tie looks nice, and a suit, and like you said, a, yeah. a tuxedo. Well, I do have a question for the all enlightened one here. And, and oh, is, that, uh, is that me? Is yeah, that that's me? you. Uh, is I, I read something the other day, and I wasn't. I, I think I'd read the term before, but I'm not really familiar with it. Is what exactly is this metasexual? Uh, and it was metro. Metro. Is it what it is? Metrosexual. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that something for our woke? Uh, you know. I mean, so metrosexual is actually, I think that that's pre- from the '90s, wasn't it? Yeah, it predates the oh. whole woke. Oh. Okay. Uh, the the whole woke landscape and terminology and so on, but it, it, metrosexual is basically uh, a man who's uh, heterosexual but looks. Oh. Feminine or effeminate okay. or dresses that way or acts that way. Non manly. Oh, okay. Yes, non manly. Yes. Tim says with that beard. Yes. Yeah. He's got that beard. I like it. And he's packing. So Tim's not, Tim yeah. is not, a, you raised, uh, you raised <clears> him right. Sidearm, cowboy boots, beard, yeah. That's actually, he's, 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 ro- he's risen Did above you, uh, the, uh, yeah, Is there a horse outside that you rode in on? Not exactly. With a horse with no name. <clears throat> no. That's a 60s song. Yeah, so the 60s ruined everything. We need a revival of <laughs> manners, dignity, and so on. Maybe it's coming. But everybody, have a, a great Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this on Thanksgiving Day, um, you know, don't forget to, to thank the Lord for everything and praise Him. And that's, that's what Thanksgiving is all about. It is mm-hmm. about a time when America, we used to take the Take that time and, and thank God for our freedoms, for living in a, a Christian nation, and for all the the blessings that God's given us, which Absolutely. are are you know there's so many and so innumerable that we get spoiled by them. I you know God spoils us, and we're not appreciative enough, right. and we need to be be grateful, especially on this Thanksgiving Day when God preser- preserved our forefathers. Uh, in that, uh, through that, especially that first winter, when yeah. uh, providentially in um, uh, Plymouth and Jamestown, also. Uh, so anyway, thank you, Lord, for America, and help us, God, to to uh, do our part to preserve her and to live for God Almighty. You're listening to the Voice of Truth show. Have a great week and a great Thanksgiving and a great weekend. Lord willing, we'll see you next week when uh, Pastor Leversey returns. Have a great day. I will choose to-